Welcome to La Mezcla Latina, where we discuss all things music, culture, career, and lifestyle regarding the Latinx community. I'm your host, Dominica, and I can't wait to chat in this week's episode. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn more about La Mezcla Más Rica. Welcome back to another episode of La Mezcla Latina. Today's episode is going to be a little different um, just because I think it's important to touch on relevant topics and the day you're listening to this is Inauguration Day and yesterday was the United We Serve, a celebration of the National MLK Day of Service. That's where they had like the whole performance and everything. So it's Inauguration Week and I thought it's important to touch on topics that are relevant to things going on in society and you know, the political climate is always I want to say iffy for to be on the safe side, but it's really important to touch on the fact that we are getting new representation in government. The numbers are shifting and everything with that. And you know what inspired me to do this episode is Billboard. I'm always reading their news, you know, constantly looking at it and looking at their tweets. And I saw that there was Latinx artists performing at the United We Serve. And I and I don't know why, but it just got me thinking. And I kind of am the person that doesn't like to take people's word as fact. Obviously, I feel like a lot of people are like that. But I, not that I try to prove people wrong, but but I want to know the facts for myself. Just because you say something and because you heard it doesn't mean it's true. You know, I think we need to fact check and find the information ourselves from credible sources, not just take people's word as fact, you know, like word of mouth. That's also how rumors start. But anyway, <laughs> so with that, I also wanted to dive into the Latinx vote. Um, a lot of these researchers and like these research centers say Hispanic or Latino. So that's what I'm going to refer to as. But, you know, we are being inclusive. Just keep that in mind. At least I am. But that's also another topic. There's limited options in how you can identify yourself in a lot of these things, too. But anyway, I don't want to go on a tangent. So I want to talk about the performances that we saw, because even though it's just a performance to some, you know, it is part of Inauguration Week and part of something that was so big, you know, celebrating MLK Day. So I want to touch on that. And then I also want to break down the Latino vote for 2020, the 2020 election. And I also want to compare it to 2016 because I don't know if people kind of reflect back on how it sh- things shifted or not. Um, I think it's important to analyze the data from this year compared to other years and, you know, see what those numbers tell. Just because someone voted Democrat this year that didn't last year, like it doesn't really tell you much. You need to look at past data to get the full story. So that's kind of what I want to do. It's I'm not going to go too, too into detail because I feel like there's a lot of numbers that I'm going to be saying and it can get confusing. But keep in mind, I'm just kind of reading numbers. These are from credible sources. I am looking at Pew Research Center. We use them a lot in my undergrad because they try to be neutral. They just, you know, gather the data. And I also am going to refer to the Billboard article that I read from Leila Cobo. And I'm going to, I also pulled some data from the Statista website. So yep, everything will be linked down below so you can read it yourself if you 
you know, don't think I interpreted anything correctly or whatever, but I am going to be reading it for the most part, obviously kind of explaining what they're saying because I'm not going to read everything verbatim. But I think it's important to kind of hear the story behind those numbers to get an idea of what's happening in our country and also just so that you're aware of it, not just because you're hearing it from someone and then you, you take that as fact. You know, I feel like that's what we do with Twitter. I'm going to say I also do it sometimes when I don't feel like looking up the data. I'm just going to be like, OK, maybe they're right, you know, but there's more to it. We have to we have to be aware and we have to be diligent in what information we are taking in and also giving, you know. So I'm going to start with the entertainment section of this. So on Monday, you know, MLK Day, they had the United We Serve celebration of the National MLK Day of Service. You can find the performance on YouTube, I believe, the whole thing. I watched some of it. Really, really beautiful. But I think it's cool that they had Alejandro Fernandez on there. He is a Mexican star and he sang in Spanish, like the entire song in Spanish. He sang Decepciones and he performed with his mariachi band and he was performing from his hometown in Guadalajara, Mexico. I think it's cool that he performed with his live band because I guess it just doesn't fit the norms that some people might have expected. But then there was also a greeting from the lead singer of Mana, and it was also in Spanish. Then you had Cheska, she's Puerto Rican, and she performed a bilingual version of The Change, which is El Cambio. And it was written by Diane Warren, and they weren't played the piano. So I think it's really important that there was representation and, you know, in in this day of service because usually there isn't, you know, and that inclusion is really important for people to see at home, especially people who are voters and people who, you know, identify as this being their home and they want to see that representation. And I'm looking at the article and they said that a lot of the organizers actually wanted this inclusion to reflect the American United theme of the inauguration. So there's this whole theme of America United. And I think that that does do that because you see singers that are speaking in another language and, you know, someone who is from Puerto Rico also getting that representation because that's also a whole different topic. But it's also nice because as the article mentions, you know, households that are Spanish dominant are able to see themselves in these inaugural activities. You know, it's not like they're foreign people to to something that's government based, you know, like they can see themselves in these spaces. And I'm going to quote what the article says about Olivera, who has a long history of supporting voter registration and migrant rights. She said, more than political, the voice and power of Mana is about humanity. Today, we thank everyone who voted for a better environment, for justice for migrants in the United States, and the well-being of the entire planet. I think that's really beautiful and well, and well said because... A lot of people sometimes don't get that perspective. It's more sometimes, I mean, it's like me, 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 you know, even though you shouldn't open your mind, you know, sometimes you just think of what affects you. And she's right. You know, we have to think about something else, not just ourselves, like, you know, like the environment, rights for everyone, etc. Again, I'm not sure if I said this, but disclaimer, obviously you're free to think all your thoughts, all your beliefs are yours. No one's going to change your mind, you know, but it's good to hear a different perspective. Also, I'm not telling you how to think or anything like that. I'm just kind of reading the facts and yep. So just a disclaimer. I'm not sure if I said that already, but now I want to touch into this um, article that I found from the Pew Research Center. This is from January 31st, 2020. So a year ago. It's going to be a full year ago. I thought it was interesting to see the article is titled where Latinos have the most eligible voters in the 2020 election. So this was before the election, you know, at the beginning of the year. And I think it's interesting to see how 
the Latino vote is broken down into in terms of states and all of that and eligible voters, but then the actual results. So this is kind of pre-election, you know, let's see how we're dividing the country. So they mentioned five facts that I'm going to go through. Number one says two and three Latino eligible voters live in just five states. That's California, Texas, Florida, New York, and Arizona. So I'm going to go through the amount of people that are eligible. So in California, they hold roughly a quarter of the nation's Latino electorate. So that's 7.9 million Latino eligible voters. Texas is second with 5.6 million. Then Florida's in third with 3.1 million. New York with 2 million. And Arizona with 1.2 million. So just keep that in mind. You know, we always hear that those states are mainly populated with Latinos and everything, but it, it's interesting to see the actual numbers behind that. Also, just remember that there's so much history attached to this it's not just like oh that's just where they decided to live you know that was mexican territory there's a lot of history behind all of these numbers so just make sure you know that you know like new york with the puerto ricans the dominicans you know the young lords there's so much attached to that so it's also probably why these numbers are so high in these five states but it's really interesting to see how they rank in the actual numbers behind them number two it says latinos make up the highest share of eligible voters in new mexico with 43 percent that's that's pretty high that's almost half and it says the other states are California with 30%, Texas with 30% as well, Arizona with 24%, and Florida with 20%. But wow, I, I actually, when I was reading this, I I don't know why New Mexico wasn't in the top of my head. It was more like the bigger states, you know, like California and Texas, but it has 43 compared to those, which only have 30. But number three, it says Texas 20th Congressional District is home to 359,000 eligible Latino voters, the highest number of any congressional district in the country. Like that one district has the highest amount of voters, eligible voters, compared to any of the other ones in the country. That's crazy to me. Number four says California's 40th district has the nation's highest share, being 80% of Latinos among its eligible voter population. That didn't really surprise me a lot because, you know, California is such a big state and it has a lot of electoral votes, but still really interesting to know. And then it says Texas is a home to the next four highest districts where at least seven in 10 eligible voters in each are Latino. That's a really high number. So you seven in 10 are eligible, which is kind of crazy because if you think of the other states, there isn't that many that are eligible. And when I read the overall stats, you're going to be kind of surprised because these sound kind of high, but they're actually pretty low in terms of the population. But number five, it says only about half of the nation's 60 million Hispanics are eligible to vote. That's exactly what I was just talking about. It says that's the smallest share of any racial or ethnic group. So even though, you know, there's seven in 10, even, you know, that's Texas, but still that's pretty high. But regardless of it being high, only nearly half of the 60 million Hispanics in the U.S. are eligible to vote and it's crazy that that's the smallest share of any racial or ethnic group. The article goes into kind of saying how the Hispanic Latino population has grown rapidly in the recent decades, but 
not that many people are eligible voters. There's a lot of reasons for that, and they mentioned two of them, which is one, that they are under 18, you know, the Hispanics are under 18, so they're not eligible to vote. It actually says 18.6 million are under 18, and the other reason being that they're non-citizen adults. So here it breaks it down to 11.3 million. So, you know, that does take away a big chunk of people who are identifying as Hispanic or Latino and cannot vote. Yeah, I'm just going to keep it there broad. But now, with all of this information in mind from the beginning of January 2020, let's break it down to the actual results of this past election in November and compare it to 2016. So I pulled data, like I said, from Statista and Pew um, Research Center. And I was just comparing it because I'm curious. I've been hearing that more Latinos voted for Trump this year than any election. And I was like, no way, really? And I was taking that as fact. But then I was like, wait, let me actually look at the number and the data behind that. So I did. Also, I want to say that I actually didn't find that many studies yet compared to 2016. Obviously, there's been a lot of years since and since people were able to do more research and come out with more articles. But yeah, there wasn't that many yet for 2020. But I'm sure like, you know, Joe Biden's not even president yet, but just this is the information that I found. So it says that the Latino and Hispanic vote was 66% Joe and 32% Trump. Then I'm also going to talk about the black community as what the results show here. It says for the black community, 87% voted for Joe and 12% voted for Trump. Yeah, that's kind of not crazy to me, but I thought more Hispanic or Latinos would have voted for Joe, but you know, it is what it is. But if you compare it to 2016, 66% voted for Clinton and 28% voted for Trump. We're talking about the Hispanic or Latino vote right now. So for Democrat, you know, Joe Clinton, it stayed at 66%, but it actually increased 4% from Trump from 2016 to 2020. In 2016, 28% of Latinos voted for Trump. And then this year, 32% of Latinos voted for Trump. So what I was hearing was true, but it's crazy, you know, because it might seem like only 4% increase. That's a lot, a lot of people. And then for the black vote, it actually decreased um, in terms of the Democrat vote. In 2016, 91% voted for Clinton. And then in 2020, this past election, 87% voted for Joe. So 4% decrease. There was also an increase in the black vote for Trump. In 2016, it was 6%. And this year, it was 12%. So that is double, double the the votes, which is kind of mind-baffling if... I just want to say that for me personally, for you, it might not be, again, disclaimer, but it's crazy to me because of everything that happened this year, BLM, the protesting, everything, you know, it, it, I don't know why I'm kind of almost speechless just because I thought it would have decreased for Trump, but it's weird to me that it actually doubled. And like I said, for the Hispanic or Latino vote, how it increase 4% for Trump, you might only think it's 4%, but that's a lot of people. And same with the black vote. You might think there was only a decrease of 4% in terms of the Democrat, you know, Joe Clinton vote. But again, that's a lot of people. And the fact that it doubled for Trump from 6% in 2016 to 12% in 2020 for Trump, my mind, crazy. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's just weird because of everything that has happened this whole past, you know, 2020 with everything in the police brutality, etc. 
Again, that can be its own episode. We're just looking at the data right now. But, you know, I think a lot of people need to actually do research and look at the numbers behind that. And then I'm sure this can be broken down even further in terms of state, in terms of age, et cetera. I'm just looking at the overall data because I couldn't find a lot of specific um, articles so far for this past 2020 election. But then moving forward, I think a lot of people kind of I'm not sure if those numbers make you feel like there's no hope in this world or whatever. So I don't know. After reading this, I was looking at all the articles that Pew Research Center had, and I found one that was about the aftermath of the election, if you will. It says, fewer Latino and black adults feel angry and more are hopeful about the state of the U.S. So I I was like, okay, let's end it off in a good note. Again, I'm just reading facts. I'm not trying to influence anyone. So um, we're going to end this episode talking about how people were left feeling after this election, which I will say overall is pretty positive. So they, I guess they surveyed people in terms of anger and hope. So for anger, it says that uh, in November, weeks after the election, the share of black and Latino adults who say they feel angry about the state of the country actually really lowered. It's sharp. It says it sharply lowered in November compared to June with feelings of hope increasing. So they said that about 41% of black and 44% of Latino adults now say that they are angry about the state of the world, which is a lot less than in June when it was 72% of blacks and 64% of Latino. So it dropped a lot, you know, for both groups. So yeah, I guess you can say more not angry than angry. So, you know, that whole like 72 compared to 41 for black and 67 compared to 44 Latino, that's a big decrease. So they're right in saying it sharply lowered compared to June. So I think that's a good thing. You know, it's a good sign that people aren't as angry after the results of the election. Although, you know, both minority groups had a higher Republican presence than 2016. Um, But I did want to touch on this just because it it was interesting that they said that they didn't include a lot of the uh, data from the June survey for the Asian groups because they didn't have enough data. But it says, meanwhile, about 51% of Asians say that as of November, they are angry about the state of the country, which is interesting. Yeah, I they wasn't data of them to compare it to in June. But, you know, it's another subgroup of minorities that face same and different struggles as any other group but I just thought it was interesting to note that and then if we fast forward to the feeling of hope (laughs) how hopeful people felt in this survey they said that in June um, we're going to break it down by group so it said in June 50% of Latinos felt hopeful 48 of blacks felt hopeful 45% of whites um, they described themselves as hopeful and then compare it to November, 64 of black and Latinos expressed feelings of hope compared to 50% of whites. So for each group, it increased, you know, Latinos were at 50, blacks were at 48, and now in November, they're at 64. And then in June, whites were at 45. And in November, now they're at 50. So there was an increase in both groups. It might not be 100%. There will never be, you know, everyone that's happy and hopeful. But I think this is a good sign that it was an increase. Um, and then about half of Asian adults, it says 54% say 
said that they were hopeful in November. So, you know, even though 51% say that they're angry, at least 54% that they're still hopeful, you know? I just think looking at the data behind it all says a lot of what people are thinking. You know, you can't just take the... How do I want to say this? I don't think people should just take the popular opinion you know you should do your research on your own but then i thought it was interesting that they said that the share of latinos who say they feel hopeful among those who identify as democrat or lean towards the democratic party have increased from 47 percent in june to 72 percent in november that's a almost a 30% increase, a little less than that. But I think that's important for me to kind of digest because it's in my head, I'm like, wow, 4% more of Latinos voted for Trump this year compared to 2016. But at least more are increasing feelings of hope since June that are leaning in the Democratic Party, if that makes sense. But it says in contrast, among the Latino Republicans and Republican leaners, they shared a decline from 63% to 47% in November, which is to be expected because obviously, you know, Trump didn't win. So obviously there's a decrease in hopefulness um, within reason for them. We're not going to deny that, you know, feelings are valid. But yeah, so that didn't really surprise me compared to the 47 to 72 percent increase um, between June and November. The other thing that they noted is that Latino and Black adults are now more likely than white adults to say they feel proud about the state of the country. Although, you know, among all groups, only a third or fewer share that sentiment. So you can see an increase now of more Latino and Black adults saying that they're proud of the state of the country compared to white adults. But if you look at the whole country as a as a whole, only one third or fewer share the sentiment of feeling proud of the state of the country. So again, not really that surprising. I think a lot of people kind of say this information is obvious because of who won and who didn't and everything that's been going on in the political climate. But yep, that's all I'm going to say. I just wanted to kind of read data and I know it's a lot of numbers, but hopefully you were able to think of that. If you go on the Instagram, I'm going to share a lot of the charts that were included in the Pew Research articles. Um, Yeah, and I hope this was kind of insightful and gave you more insight into the voting and kind of broke it down for you a little bit more. I, I know these topics aren't always the most fun to talk about or listen to, but I think the older that we get and the more that your vote matters, it's important to actually look into data, look, research, you know, your candidates for your local state, everything, you know, you just need to take that into your own hands and you can't let your peers or your parents' political views be your political views. Um, yeah, I just... I think it's important to inform yourself. Education is key. And if you have the resources to find it and look for it and you know the right places, then you should. But anyway, I'm just going to leave it at that. Again, you can find the whole performance of the United We Serve uh, on YouTube. It was really, really, really beautiful. And you should totally take the time to look at it if you want. Everything I will link down below. Thank you so much for listening. Again, I will share more of the data on Instagram, so feel free to follow us there. And one last thing, you probably already know this depending on when you're listening, but today is Inauguration Day. I also mentioned this earlier in the episode, but again, I'm not trying to push my opinions on anyone, but I'm really happy to see Joe Biden take seat as president today. Yeah, we can go on about that, but I did want to share something because I didn't know this until I saw it on Instagram earlier today, and it's this post. It was posted by Fears by Me Too, and it says, Sonia Sotomayor will swear in Kamala Harris on inauguration day. 
You heard that right. The first Latina to sit on the Supreme Court will be swearing in the first black and Southeast Asian woman to become vice president. That is huge. I I don't know. I think it's so powerful because it's showing all the power that women have and that they are finally being represented in such important spaces that, you know, are mainly occupied by white males. I don't know. I just wanted to end on that because I didn't know if everyone knew that since I honestly didn't see it until today. And also, fun fact, maybe you already seen this by the time that you listen to this, but Jennifer Lopez, J-Lo, is going to be performing in at the inauguration as well. So that's a big win for Latinos during inauguration week, you know, with the MLK Day performance and everything. I think it's it's really good to see our people being represented in these spaces when they do have that platform. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was a good note to end off um, with both of those little last two tidbits. But that's going to be it for today's episode. Again, thanks so much for listening. Please make sure you follow us on Instagram at La Mezcla Latina Pod. That's P-O-D. And again, don't forget to tune in every Wednesday for a new episode to learn more about La Mezcla Más Rica.